Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back, and today is President's Day, and we're celebrating the president's, I guess, I guess Abe Lincoln and George Washington. Yeah, and the president. Either about, one of them were actual oh, what, about, oh. what about John Katsimatidis Jr., the president of uh, Red Apple Group? Yeah, well. Why, why not him? <laughs> well, we had a uh, great event uh, today uh, uh, celebrating Black, History, Black History Day. Black History Day, but it's Black better History to kick Day, off a Black History Rudy Month. Rudy Washington uh, uh, says to me, why wasn't I invited? Rudy. Well, I'm more, even more disappointed. Uh, I grew up at a time when this day was George Washington's birthday. It and is the official day of George was, Washington. Exactly. And, and did anybody know anything about history? Um, he is the foundation of America. If not for George Washington, we might have been well, in India or one of those colonies like that. We are going to talk about it today, but I want to thank uh, uh, Jania Butler, who ran uh, the uh, event today. The, we had a panel lunch. Uh, and we had Stephen, Stephen, uh, Hightower from the Hightower Petroleum Company. And he's one, uh, uh, good guy from Ohio. Uh, we had, uh, Latonya Lawson, uh, Jones from the Nominee Hall of, let me see, Slave Legacy. And we had Thomas Watkins, owner of a Challenge Publisher. And he is Brooklyn Tech class of fifty five. Oh, wow. and you had, and it was catered too by somebody great it too, right? I understand there was a great restaurant. Lunch. The food was great. Uh, Judy Z's uh, Sports Tavern uh, and Kitchen. The food was great. Judy Z's Sports Tavern and Kitchen. We, we wouldn't know. We didn't get invited. Yeah, Wait that, a minute, that, you guys. Let me make one point. Judge Weinberg and I have no basis to be here today. Rudy's got two. He's African-American and he's a direct descendant of George Washington. That's correct. And, and, That's correct. You're, and you're tied to Don King. And me, I'm tied to Don King. <laughs> and he, well, Peter King, any relationship to other kings? You know, John King other always said Don. that we were distant cousins. He's had the black curly well, that, hair. Well, the hair, that hair. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Same personality. Very friendly. We have a, uh, one of our good friends on today. And uh, Rita, would you introduce him? Absolutely. Absolutely, and somebody who epitomizes just success and reason, I think. The great Dr. Ben Carson, of course, retired neurosurgeon, also was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and also head of the American Cornerstone Institute that teaches young people about appreciating this great country. Dr. Ben Carson, we're so happy to have you here today. Always good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. What does this day mean to you, too? You know, we're celebrating, by the way, uh, Black History Day today, kicking off Black History Month. Um, talk about, because you do, you, I think, are the most eloquent spokesperson uh, for overcoming and being a great role model and the family unit. Your mother's message, what she did for you years ago, always inspires me, Dr. Carson. Well, uh, you know, the family is the backbone of our society, the cultural backbone, and it is in the process of falling apart. And something that we really need to begin to emphasize very strongly, when you look at what happened to the black families in America, it really started happening with Lyndon Johnson. 
and people interfering and uh, supposedly doing good things, but in the process, policies that actually uh, promoted the breakup of families. And as you took the fathers out of these families, you started seeing horrible things happen. And now we're seeing it across society. It's broken out of just the African-American community. It's throughout our society. It's, it's a terrible thing. But, you know, in, in terms of, you know, black history, Hispanic history, any kind of history, uh, I think there's room to celebrate all of us. You know, you, you look at the fact that many people say the black male in America is an endangered species. Why do they say that? Because there are more black males in the penal system than there are in higher education because it's the number one cause of, of death in young black males is homicide. Now, this is craziness. It never had to happen. Anybody, regardless of their ethnic background, could take that young six-year-old black male and walk down the streets of New York and give him a black history lesson he'd never forget. Could start by pointing to his shoes and say, it was Jan Matzliger, a black man who invented the automatic shoe lasting machine, which revolutionized the shoe industry throughout the world. You step on that clean street, you say it was Charles Brooks, a black man, who invented the street sweeper, those machines with the big brushes and down the street comes with a big refrigerated tractor-trailer truck. Tell it was Frederick Jones who invented the refrigeration system for trucks later adopted for airplanes and trains. And it comes to a stop at the red light. You tell it was Garrett Morgan who invented the traffic signal and how he also invented the gas mask, saved lots of lives during the war. And while you're talking about the war, Henrietta Bradbury, a black woman who invented the underwater can and made it possible to launch torpedoes from submarines. And then you see a beautiful black woman walking down the street. A black man did not invent her, but you can use that opportunity to talk about Madam C.J. Walker, a black woman who invented cosmetic products for women of dark complexion, first woman to become a millionaire on her own efforts in the United States. And you walk past the hospital, Charles Drew and his contributions to blood banking, understanding the function of blood plasma. Daniel Hale Williams, the first successful open-heart surgery in the world operative mortality rate less than 1.5%. Surgical light, you look up at it, Thomas Edison, you didn't know he was black, did you? But he wasn't, but his right-hand man, Louis Latimer, was. You can tell how he invented the electric lamp. He then came up with the filament that made the light bulb work for more than two or three days. Diagram the telephone for Alexander Graham Bell. Most people never heard of him. He walked past the railroad tracks. Andrew Beard, the automatic railroad car coupler, spurred on the Industrial Revolution. Elijah McCoy, the automatic lubrication system for locomotive engines. In fact, he had so many great inventions where people always imitate him. And people would say, is that a McCoy? Is that the real McCoy? And I'm just barely scratching the surface. Yeah, you know who you left out? You of all people, yourself, 15,000 neurological operations. And, by the way, uh, the leading the team for the first known separation of conjoined twins uh, in American history. So you did leave yourself out, uh, Dr. Carson. Don't leave out my namesake, uh, George Washington Carver. Absolutely. Uh, Uh, Like I said, I could go on for hours. Right, and we can't leave out the ladies that John Glenn insisted upon (laughs) doing the mathematics on how he was going to orbit the Earth. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Carson, you don't, you don't remember me, but we spoke, uh, last year. My, my wife and I, when you came to our church, uh, uh, Dr. A.R. Bernard, uh, Christian Cultural Center. And, uh, we took pictures and photos together. 
Of course. Yeah, I, told Dr. I told Dr. Bernard that we, we have to have you back now, and I'm going to see him in the next 15 minutes when I leave the studio. Uh, yeah, I called him last night. Are you leaving that soon? Uh, no, can I leave the studio when the show is over? I thought you were going to say the whole show. Are you that leaving was early? Yeah. No, no, I'll be here to the end of the show. All right. Okay, just checking. Yeah, yeah but, but, but before we go on, let me just mention, I can take that same walk down the street for virtually any nationality in our country and point out great things. And one of the points that I like to make is that that's how America got to be great. It's because we have so many people with so many backgrounds and so much talent. Our diversity is not a problem unless we make it into one. And I, I, I have to tell you that uh, Dr. Carson is very much involved right now uh, with children, yes, uh, children's books, and he'll be uh, in New York City sometime next month. And uh, he wants to go see a, a police athletic league center, and uh, we may be setting up a uh, – a police athletic league lunch with him because we're all we we all care about the kids. Yeah, that would be Absolutely. blockbuster. That's America's future is the kids. I mean, uh, we're, and I'm worried about them. And I think I told Dr. Carson uh, that the the truancy rate right now in in New York City is forty percent. Well, the truant officers aren't, aren't really doing that anymore. I mean, you can do whatever you want in these days. And people say nothing's any different than it ever has been, but it's much worse. The things that our kids are exposed to these days in the attempt to indoctrinate them are astronomical. And if we don't, if we're not as aggressive as the left is, we're going to lose that battle. For well, what kids. do we do to energize these kids? I know uh, uh, my mother threw me off the couch and told me to go to work and, and – uh, and, uh, you know, go to make sure I, go, I went to school and, and uh, there's lots of stories like that. And right now, by the way, the definition of truancy rate, uh, Rita, is that, uh, uh, if they're out of school more than 10 days during a semester. No, but that's a lot. That's a lot. And, um, I don't know what to do with these kids. I don't know what to do to you with these kids. I mean, it, it just bothers me that, uh, uh, that uh, we could have a a uh, a segment of our population that's not going to get the right education. Yeah, and also social media. I think of you know I talked to uh, Mayor Eric Adams last week, and he launched a lawsuit against big social media companies for the effect that it's having on kids. They're so like spending twenty four seven a day on kids. Uh, go yeah, ahead, Doctor Carson. He's, he's talking about that now, but is he going to be talking about it three weeks from now? No. You see, there's not a sustained effort against what's happening with social media. So they don't care. You can talk about them because they know you're going to go away in a few weeks and they're going to continue doing what they're doing. And you've got uh, things like TikTok, which are indoctrinating them at the same time. They know how effective they can be. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the ways you're going when he's older and not depart from it. They understand that concept. But you've got to get in there early and persistently. And that's why Vladimir Lenin, the Marxist, said, give me your children to teach for four years, and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. Yeah, Dr. Carson, Peter King. Secretary Carson, it's great to talk to you. Uh, you did an outstanding job during the Trump administration. We talk about conditions that can create crime or weaken the family. What is the housing situation? Is there any improvement at all as far as facilities for young kids or trying to cut back on crime, making a more livable situation? Well, there hasn't been a lot 
in the recent uh, couple of years. But, you know, when the previous administration was in, we had a task force cutting across agencies that focused on those things that made housing unaffordable. And a lot of those things are regulations, and many of those regulations are duplicate regulations across agencies that just vastly increase the costs and the complications. We need sustained effort, cooperation between federal, state, local, as well as the uh, nonprofits, the for-profits, and the faith-based community. That's the way we get these things under control. Well, Dr. Carson, thank you so much for being with us, and I look forward to seeing you hopefully when you're in New York very soon. Thank you, Dr. Carson. I, I, I look forward to it. Thanks yes. so much. Thank you. We love you, Dr. Carson. And, thank uh, you. The, by the way, the panel discussion we had this afternoon uh, will be on uh, sometime tonight on the WABC website, and it was a one-hour uh, panel discussion. It will be on the website, two versions, the shortened version, the minicast version and the the regular uh, uh, version, the whole hour. So I I, I ask people to go to wabcradio.com and uh, you'll see. Uh, uh, it, it was a very interesting discussion we had. Wow! Can't wait to check it out, John. I heard it was blockbuster. Can't wait. And uh, joining us now here to talk about what's going on with our borders because that's a whole other issue is Congresswoman Claudia Tenney from the great state of New York. Congresswoman, it's great to have you here. And you know what? One of the things, and I know you understand it all too well, not just our southern border, but our northern border, there was an enormous increase, a 240% spike of illegal crossings in our northern border. That just came out uh, compared to the year before. So the northern border is equally, if not even more dangerous in some ways. Well, yes, uh, great to be on, Rita, and uh, also with uh, Mr. Katz. But this is this is a huge problem because hey, 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 we Claudia, have... Hey, Claudia, this is Pete King. Don't forget me, okay? I'm out of <laughs> hey, I thought that's who I heard on that. <laughs> an unmistakable voice uh, on the other side there. Well, always always a pleasure to be on. We haven't done our dual uh, TV hits in a long time. we got to get back to that. You got it. Uh, but uh, we miss having you in Congress. You were terrific, although I'm, I, I uh, dearly love Andrew Garbarino as well. But... Um, yeah, so we have, so this is an issue. I've been up there a number of times now. Uh, we met with Customs and Border Patrol a couple of weeks ago again, uh, for a, a roundtable discussion. I'm going to be doing another one tomorrow in the district just because it's becoming a huge issue. And uh, just a, a lot of this problem, uh, obviously we have huge issues with our immigration system affecting both borders, but because the southern border is just such uh, you know, such, such a huge task. So many of the Customs and Border Patrol agents have been displaced and sent to the southern border because of the resources. We need, we need actual manpower down there. And another thing that's really causing a lot of this problem is obviously the, the reverse in policies. The number one thing that I, I just had the, the former head of ICE uh, in New York tell me, uh, you know, the, the huge issues are the ending, ending catch and release would be huge. Restoring remain in Mexico policy would be huge. And, uh, and then the other things all have to do with New York law. And that's something that our governor and our legislature could do, which would give our border agents, but also New York police and troopers, uh, the ability to track down and find these illegal, Ill- illegal immigrants because there's just a system in place. They're coming across. People are catching them on their trail, Kansas, as you probably saw in a recent, uh, Swanton sector, uh, uh article that was in the New York Post. 
But what happens is we have this thing called the green light law, and that actually protects uh, anyone who comes in and gets a license or registers a vehicle, whether it's a car or a boat, and that information from the Department of Motor Vehicles cannot be shared with our law enforcement. And so if you have an illegal immigrant, for example, who goes to Mexico, they can be from anywhere in the world, the cartel can issue them a passport from Mexico, even though they're not a Mexican citizen. You know, this is, they're experts at this. They travel on a one-way flight to Canada. They can go to Toronto or Montreal or anywhere near the border, Kingston. They get off the plane, no visa requirement. They meet up with a cartel member. They get them across the border, uh, sometimes through the St. Regis Mohawk Indian Territory, which is up there as well. And they get in there, and they're met by, you know, a human trafficker. We'll get them the first thing they can do is go get a valid New York state driver's license. And if they steal a car or steal a boat and they're coming across any of the many of the waterways that we have that are all along this northern border, there's nothing the Border Patrol or the police can do. The next big thing that they have is this detainer loss situation. So if you detain someone who could be a dangerous criminal, who could be, you know, a murderer, who could be a, a, a child, uh, you know, a molester or, you know, a somebody of that ilk, they cannot retain detain this person because of New York law. They have to be let go. And they're saying restore the retainer law where we can allow the police uh, to come and, and do a background check, give them 48 hours to determine if this person is dangerous or not, and at least cut off that part of the dangerousness that's happening all, all along the border and those people getting into New York State. We're helping them do that by allowing, by these laws that we have in place in New York. Yeah, it's like a double whammy. Everybody, we're talking to uh, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Judge Weinberg. Claudia, good to talk to you again, Congresswoman. Oh, great okay. to talk to you. So one of the problems is that uh, Governor Cuomo signed off on an executive order calling New York State a sanctuary state. And I'm telling you, as a matter of law, there's no such thing constitutionally as a sanctuary state. And all Governor Hochul has to do is, by a stroke of the pen, rescind that previous executive order by her own executive order. That would be a big step, because you need to have cooperation between local and state law enforcement and the federal authorities. What say you? I think you're 100% right. We've been... Uh saying this for not only does she, can she do that as the governor and affect the entire state, each one of these cities can also do the same thing. And we also have a, a weird oddity in New York because of so many upstate colleges. We have sanctuary colleges, which, as you know, is a fiction, but they act as though they are operating under law. And there's really nothing we can do about it because of the sanctuary state policy. And they look to that. And, and there's, you know, after 9-11, we had this uh, ability and finally the interoperability between all of our law enforcement to try to really protect us. And now we have, you know, this in, impossibility in New York State with our law enforcement from protecting us because of these laws that we have, uh, the sanctuary state law, uh, the sanctuary state law, the, the fact that these federal laws um, prevent us from getting anywhere with them, the, the retainer law, you know, detainer law. Uh, these are really tough issues, and that's why you're seeing this huge uh, amount of number, numbers coming across the northern border. Now, I was in Niagara County uh, the other day, and this is where we had our meeting, and they were telling me that they have a 400% increase across the Niagara River over wow. in the water from what they had. So people are figuring out ways to get over there. And by the way, when it's even when though it's so cold and it's not actually frozen right now, they are still coming across. So uh, this is, you know, they have boats. They have, and there's, remember, if, if if a border agent tries to stop someone on a boat and ask, you know, look, look up the registration of the boat, they can't get any information from the Department of Motor Vehicles. 
This is a real, this is the fact that they can't share this information under the green light law signed under Governor Cuomo, by the way, in 2019 is also part of this license law. And so it's a real problem. And Kathy Hochul could change all of this. So could the state legislature. And we're just talking about giving tools to the police so they can find the worst of them. Now, we know not everybody coming across the border, you know, is, has got a criminal record. Yeah, just most likely being, yeah, they're committing a crime, but they're also most likely being human trafficked. And the human traffickers are on our side of the border. They're in New York picking these people up with out-of-state out license plates, you know, and we're doing nothing, and we're preventing our police officers from keeping us safe. Yeah, it, it's terrible. By the way, also, how about that church that uh, put up $15,000 bail uh, for the guy who beat up the police officers? I mean, that, uh, I, I don't even know what to say about it. You finally get one, the other well, one's you're going to get frontier justice out here if you don't, especially during hunting seasons up here in the, in the North Country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Congresswoman, thank you very much. We love having you here. Thank you for joining us, Congresswoman. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Rita, and uh, thank you, everyone. Great to talk to everyone on the on the call especially my dear friend Peter King. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, Thank now, you so we, now much. we question you, but that's right. okay. <laughs> let's, let's take a break right now, and let's come back. I want to hear from uh, our deputy mayor. Yeah, Rudy Washington. Rudy Washington. Rudy Washington. Rudy Washington. What do you want to hear? I want to hear how you feel about uh, what the heck what? are we going to do with, uh, with New York City? Well, you saved New York City once. Yeah, uh, you can do it again. Come on, Rudy. We're let's recruiting take that you. Right. <laughs> Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. A common-sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby, and there's a trucking group that says that there will be a price to pay, that they won't do deliveries in New York after what they say was an excessive fine that I think a lot of people agree against President Trump by Judge Arthur Engoron. A lot of people uh, saying it was way over the top. Judge, I know you and I talked about that. It is stunning, the amount that came down last week in the civil fraud trial. Let's start at the basics. This personally, from my point of view as a former Supreme Court judge, it's totally offensive that this case was even brought. It was done by an attorney general who started off a campaign by saying she's going after Trump. So she used a statute, which is an unconstitutional statute. It's punishing somebody for fraud where there's no injury. Everybody was made whole, and it was full disclosure. Then you have a judge who imposes this draconian, awful sanction of $355 million. Plus interest. Plus interest, statutory interest of 9% starting from 2019, appoints a a monitor to run run the business, and he can't even appeal this unless he comes up with a bond or the money to appeal. So he can't even vindicate his right that there's an unconstitutional statute. And Congressman King and I were talking about that. Peter, what say you? Yeah, basically this takes away the right to appeal because the cost of the bond and the interest building up, even if he wins at the end, he's still uh, going to be out two or three years. He has to. He's not, dollars, he may have yeah. to. He may have to liquidate assets has, right. at a fire sale. It's like just a corporate debt set. That's right. It is a corporate debt. And by the way, one last point: this is a chilling effect for all business people either staying in New York or coming to New York because a political vendetta can be done 
against a political opponent Judge, and destroy them. Well, the, the expression was, if you could do it against the former president of the United States of America, you could do, do it against any citizen. Now, John, John, you had a blockbuster interview with uh, Governor Hochul, uh, because, and it made a lot of headlines. You, you talked with yes. her. Fill us in a little bit. Governor Hochul, the, uh, she did a very nice interview with us, and... Uh, uh, and uh, the, the big thing we found out is she's also living in the city. Yes, and that's right. I, that made a lot of headlines, too. When the too. New York Post asked me about her living in the city uh, part-time, I said, that's great, because then let her go into the streets and see what's really going on in the city. Ride the subway. Yeah. yeah, ride the subway. And there's been a lot yeah, of crime only have, She might have a dozen... Uh, Security yeah. guards around her. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say to the judge also, they, they put a monitor in the company... For right. the purposes of tying them up, so Bob, can't. Uh, former judge, uh, federal judge, federal judge, Barbara Jones. Jones. Barbara Jones. Barbara Jones. Right. Yeah. Right. What, so that means. Yeah, what, explain what that, what that means. That judge. means all well, business stand. decisions yeah. have to be ratified by her. She right. should be in the business of running the business. So you will not be able to liquidate. No, I mean, it's, the whole thing is absolutely preposterous. From beginning to end, this is reprehensible. And this, by the way, <clears> let's be very clear about this. This is not about carrying water. For Donald Trump, this right. is about a bad law, which is unconstitutional, which can be used against anyone. And there's no harm. Remember this. There is no harm. There was full disclosure. The banks did due diligence. They knew exactly what it was about. All the papers revealed that made them do their due, own due diligence. And there was no harm at all. There's no damages. So where my former colleague, Arthur and Gorin, thinks that 350 $5 million plus 9% statutory interest is a fair thing. Plus, it blocks him from doing business, so he can't even go to banks now in New York State to get the loan. A loan. Right. It's, I mean, how preposterous. Let's go to Rudy Washington. Well, you know, I've been mentioning this to the judge because I'm so disappointed, and I know Peter being an attorney also, and they may jump on me about this, but we have three I'll branches. I'll protect you if they protect do, Protect me, Rita. We've got three branches of government. Right. Where's our third branch of government? Where is the Supreme Court? I watched two phony uh, impeachments where somebody couldn't even defend themselves and the Supreme Court was quiet. I watched the FBI go into a FISA court. And for our listeners who don't know who the FISA court is, it is the most secretive court in the country and lied to them. And it was Judge Roberts position that he should have hauled the FBI in and held them in contempt uh, for lying to them two times to get it. Illegal search warrants. They've been sitting by silently while the Constitution is being trashed. You know. Judge, Judge, let me ask you, do you see uh, access to the federal courts here? Now, I was thinking about that over the weekend, yeah. Peter. You know, unless you're going to come up with a, a federal constitutional theory that somehow this is a violation of 14th Amendment right, due process of, under yeah. the federal Guys, Constitution. How about, how, inter, how about interference? How about interference with the uh, uh, presidential election? Yeah. Can I tell you something? That's the reality. All of these cases against Donald Trump are calculated the to bottle him up. The to bottle him up. Yes. None of these have to be brought now. And this case that Bragg is bringing for the hush money, that's going to tie him up for months. And by the way, we have Bill O'Reilly coming up later on in this hour. Yeah, and he's, he's definitely going to talk, gonna about, talk about Bill O'Reilly, he'll be on about 5.45. Don't hang up. You'll see, get to hear Bill O'Reilly and Rita. I heard you have some other hot news. It's the top news of the day. Sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. 
Well, we certainly do have some big headlines today. First off, Congress is on a two-week recess ahead of a looming deadline to fund the government. Lawmakers are not expected back on Capitol Hill until February 28th, two days before funding for some agencies run out. The path forward remains unclear, with House Speaker Mike Johnson vowing not to pass another short-term funding bill until our border security is addressed, because that is a big issue, as we were just talking about here on Cats and Cosby. A human rights group says over 400 supporters of Alexei Navalny have been arrested since the Russian opposition leader died last week. Suddenly, Navalny died Friday in a maximum security prison in Siberia. His wife has pledged to carry on his work and believes he was poisoned. And three Minnesota first responders are dead after being shot while responding to a domestic abuse call. This happened early Sunday in a suburb of Minneapolis. According to the Star Tribune newspaper, law enforcement sources confirmed the suspected gunman died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The shooting happened about 15 miles south of Minneapolis. And, John, those are your Goya top, top stories of the day. And lots more ahead on Cats and Cosby. And I know how much you love the Goya beans, John, because you always talk they about are, how good they, they are. are good. They are good. The quality of that product is, you know, people know me. I would not say that if it wasn't true. You know what I heard? They have chickpeas, and I love chickpeas. So I'm going to get the, I heard and those what are did so the, good. Robert Unanaway says the best beans were, what, the black beans? The black beans. And the pink beans, he said, were also good, too. He said there's a couple that have, like, great vitamin energy. So. Uh, Rudy Washington, you like you beans? Take, you take oregano. You t- chop onions very fine, put a little dill in it, then take the oil and basically uh, baste that first. Then you add the the beans into it. Now you're talking. Wait a minute. Rudy, no, no, you're, no, wait, 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 I have an important question. Chef, that wait, that's good. what I was about to say. Rudy, you're Master married. Chef. You're married, right? Because okay. I would marry you with that recipe right away. <laughs> no, 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 I make no, all no. Sunday dinners. Yeah. Oh, I'm going 70% <laughs> of the olive oil. Uh, that you uh, buy in this country is fake. Ah, yeah. oh, interesting. Now, if you buy Goya olive oil... You know it's the real deal. You know it's the real deal because Goya won't do that. Yeah, they won't do it. They won't do it. Let's Great take stuff. that break. Let's take that break. And when we come back, we're coming back with Ambassador John Bolton. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. And joining us now is former U.N. Ambassador John (coughs) Bolton. Ambassador Bolton, uh, I have to get your reaction to, obviously, everything that's happening with uh, Alexei Navalny, of course, uh, the Russian opposition leader, you know, he died suddenly last week while going for a walk, even though people saw him the day before and he looked healthy. And now they're not even turning the body over for like two weeks to the family. And the family believes he was poisoned. Remember, he was poisoned before. But what do you make of all this? And, and even the people that are like protesting in the streets, they're getting beat up and arrested. It, it's horrifying to see. Well, I think uh, Navalny uh, clearly was murdered. Uh, you know, you don't have accidents take place in, in these kinds of sensitive uh, Russian prison camps. And I, I think uh, given uh, Navalny's international prominence, the, the order had to come from Putin himself. But why do it now? Because Putin thinks he's riding high. The 
shape of the battlefield in Ukraine has been changing to his uh, advantage. He doesn't face any real significant domestic opposition. Uh, and I think he thinks that the expressions of outrage by the White House and by other Western leaders uh, since Friday uh, really won't translate into effective sanctions or other action against Russia. So he's on a roll. And I think uh, it, why did he do it now? Because he could. That's really frightening. And so what what is ahead? I mean, is there anything that he can be held culpable? And what's going to happen with all these people who are being arrested just because they're protesting his death or, or even honoring him? Even the ones who are leaving flowers are getting arrested. Well, you know, President Biden has said that the U.S. is considering additional sanctions, which, which is fine with me, except we all have to realize that the sanctions that were put in place beginning two years ago uh, after Russia invaded Ukraine – uh, have largely not succeeded. Russia is still getting significant oil revenues from from countries like India and others who are ignoring the sanctions. Uh, it, there may have been some impact on the Russian economy, but how about the impact on the Ukrainian economy of two years of war? So this is the sort of thing that it's it uh, it is something to be outraged about. No no question. But but will the U.S. and we'll have to lead the others to to do something effective remains to be seen. What is the status, too, with everything with Ukraine? Did you see that President Biden is now saying he may give Ukraine long-range missiles? Uh, this They've been asking for it for years. He's not going to give them. How sad is yeah, that, though, that, that now finally, you John, you know? Well, you know, we go through this all the time. We've done it with about six or seven significant weapon systems over the past two years. And by the first, Biden answers no, and then they think about it, and then they finally give some. But it's not being applied strategically, and I think that's one reason there's frustration among Republicans in Congress, because they think Biden's policies have been so bad. But the real question is, burdened as we are with this president, are we going to cut our nose off to spite our face and say, well, Biden's not handling the war the right way, therefore we'll let Ukraine succumb to the Russian invasion? I, I think there's a lot of uh, bad logic going around on the Hill, and, and I really think if Biden had explained in concrete terms, what American interests are at stake here, and they are, uh, that, that this aid would get approved. And I think Navalny's death really ought to be a rallying cry. This is the nature of the regime we're dealing with in Moscow. John, this is Pete King. Isn't it a fact that of the $60 billion they're asking for, almost all that is in weapons, not in cash? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the odds of, of this of this uh, uh, being dissipated or, or being spent in corrupt ways you know, a lot of American government money here in, in Washington is spent corrupt ways, but we've we've been checking it. Uh, there's no there's no real evidence of it, uh, and the fact is, this is uh, uh, this is we're we're not fighting in Ukraine. We're providing assistance to the Ukrainians so they can fight the fight for us. You know, it's it's almost a year and a half now, but the Secretary of Defense said back then that uh, the Russian army is being fed into a wood chipper. And that's still happening, and uh, that's entirely to America's advantage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Ambassador, did you see when it came down about Navalny's death uh, last week, the reporters were saying, Mr. President, President Biden, you said three years ago, if something happens to Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader, Russia will face dire consequences. What are you going to do? And his answer was, well, we've imposed sanctions three years ago. And look at the people that Russia has, you know, has lost in the war. They're like, no, no, no. What are you going to do now? You know, he's just 
died. What are you going to do now? And he had no answer. That doesn't right. send a lot of message, you know. And, and he still doesn't have an answer. And, uh, you know, I think I think one thing Americans have to understand, and I, I urge people to look at this, sanctions have to be enforced vigorously. Simply announcing sanctions is just the beginning of the process. The target nation doesn't sit there and succumb. They find ways to get around the sanctions, which is what the Russians have done over the past two years. So by all means, one possibility is declare Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. I think that's a an accurate description. Additional sanctions become possible. But once they're announced, let's be sure the government actually enforces them, which it's not doing on the existing Russian sanctions. Meanwhile, we're really mad at Russia, Rita, because I think we're doing a joint uh, mission in space. Uh, they're launching today or, or, or this month. Do you anybody remember when it was? Yeah, there's some uh, operation. I have to look. Do you know about that, Ambassador? Space shuttle mission. Or space, well, it, it could be that, yeah, it could be there's some space shuttle, some joint cooperation on that. That, of course, comes simultaneously with the, the news that the Russians are probably ahead of us in developing anti-satellite weapons using uh, nuclear weapons to, so the radiation can fry the electronics of our spy satellites. Uh, this this is a real vulnerability for us. I, I mean, I think we can catch up, but we've been we've been late at uh, at, at dealing with the problem. Ho- hopefully, this will speed us along more if we can get adequate resources for the Defense Department. Yeah, they're uh, looking. By the way, they're looking to resupply the spacecraft at the um, you know the International Space Station, which is something that we're a part of too. So. Yeah. Exactly what you were just saying there, John. Well, thank you, Ambassador Bolton, and uh, you know I cry for our country. Exactly, exactly. Thanks for having me on. Thank Thank you, you. Ambassador. Thank Uh, you. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Bill O'Reilly. And you want firestorms? You're going to hear from Bill O'Reilly. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Are back here on Cats and Cosby. It is President's Day, and our next guest has a new book coming up. By the way, it's called Confronting the Presidents. How perfect is that? He is the biggest nonfiction author out there ever, with more than 19 million books in print. Also hosting Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly every night here on WABC Radio at 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And, uh, Bill, you had a blockbuster message of the day. Uh, you gotta explain it. Yeah, on BillOReilly.com, we have a message every day. Anybody can go there and read it. You don't have to be a member of anything. So I'm a little bit, uh, concerned about where I live. And I live in New York State in Nassau County. And after this, um, Trump verdict, I had, talked to a whole bunch of people all over the country and none of them, even the people who really hate Trump. And I know a lot of those people, none of them felt that this was justice. Nobody. Now, some of them applauded it because they hate Trump so much. They want to see him get hurt, but nobody said, yeah, this is a fair verdict. In fact, I haven't seen that anywhere. Have you guys seen that anywhere or anybody's written or said, this is fair. I have not. Have you guys? I have not. We have not. I, I just think it's wrong uh, what's going on. Yeah, it's okay. so over the top. But we haven't even seen anybody. Now, maybe on MSNBC, I mean, that's really strange territory over there. But, again, I have not seen anyone say justice was served. 
they say, yeah, we hate Trump, so we want him punished. But they don't say that this is what the justice system should be. And I think that any clear-minded person would know there is a violation of the punishment must fit the crime. That is the bedrock of our justice system. Now, in New York, that is not happening on a myriad of fronts. So you can punch somebody in the mouth and not get charged. So what punishment is there for assaulting a fellow human being? None. They'll go, oh, it's low level, or it's this, or it's that, whatever the excuse is. So what we see here, those of us who live here, is a collapse of the civil and criminal justice system right before our eyes. And so I was asking in in the message of the day, what do you do? So nobody, you know, I can't, as powerful as I am, and the... uh, the avenues that I have to get my, express my opinion. I can't change this. I can't even uh, bring horror into the people's lives who are doing it. The judge who did this knows that this was wrong, that this was not what the civil justice system in any state is supposed to be. He knows that. But he did it anyway because he wanted to be applauded by his fellow progressives who, above all, want Donald Trump destroyed. And I mean that word literally. They want him destroyed. So then you look around and you go, well, what if it happened to me? What if, what if something happened to me? I know I'm not going to get fair treatment now by the criminal or civil justice system. If you have a beef with somebody in New York State and you sue them, you better have a million dollars to pay a lawyer, whether you're suing them or, or getting sued. You better have one million dollars because that's how much it's going to cost you in legal fees to adjudicate anything in, in the New York City area. It takes years. And is that the justice system? Is that fair? So how do you redress grievances? What do you do? I, I don't. I can't answer the question. So that's why I think people are starting to get very nervous about this state, this city. When justice collapses, then what do you have? And it's certainly collapsing before our eyes right here. Does anybody disagree with me? No. Hey, Bill, this is Pete King. I, I, I agree with you completely. I talk to people out of state, too, and their growing attitude is New York deserves it. They keep electing the same people. I mean, last year, in the 2022 elections, Crime was totally out of control in New York, and yet 70% of New York, New York City, 70% of New York City uh, voters voted for Kathy Hochul. And yet Lee Zeldin was talking about Alvin Bragg. He was talking about a tough law and order program. But 70% of the people, it seems, wanted to continue the failed policy. Peter. Well, then they're crazy. Because Bush is never going to happen here in New York, and if they're willing to allow their children to be killed on the street and drugs sold to them because they're afraid it, of them. We have a mess here in New York. Oh, 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 okay, I'll go on I agree with you. I, but yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows that. It's, it's not debatable. All right? You, I mean, you know, sure, Kathy Hochul and Mayor Adams will come on and they'll say, oh, no, no, it's not that bad. It's getting better. You know, uh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But every, every working person 
in the city knows it's a troubled place. And so what do you do? And the only thing you can do is leave or say, I don't want to leave. So whatever comes at me, I'm going to have to absorb it. That's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. That, what do you think it means for the future of New York? You know, as we're talking about all this, because a lot of people are shaking their heads, Bill. So many people have already done the exodus all over yeah. the place. Sure. Hundreds of thousands. And, and you're going to have more leaks um, for a variety of reasons, not just because the criminal justice system has collapsed and the civil justice system as well, but for taxation, um, economic reasons, opportunity, high rents, a high cost of housing, uh, traffic congestion. It took me, I went to the Ranger Islander outdoor game at the Meadowlands. I live 19 miles away from the Meadowlands. It took me two hours to get there yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Two hours. How long okay. did it take you to get out of the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, but it, let, me, let me inject a positive note. There were 80,000 fans watching the uh, Islanders and the Rangers. And there wasn't one incident that I saw of anybody fighting or, or anything like that. Everybody had a great time. Now, maybe I missed it, but I had a pretty good perch. And I'm watching. You know, there wasn't any violence. It was good nature. No one was shot. Everybody had a good time. <laughs> but to get there was hell. It was hell to get there. Two hours, 19 miles. And, you know, this is what we're looking at here. We New Yorkers who love the state, and I do, we're being tortured by our elected officials. And, yeah, you're right. The majority of New Yorkers are voting for them for very narrow-minded reasons. And we're paying a price. I uh, interviewed Kathy Hochul yesterday, and I said to her, we used to have the Rockefeller law, three strikes and you're out. And you have these violent criminals. I said to her, at what point do we have now? Should we have five strikes and you're out? Ten? Fifteen? I mean, but there are people that do not belong in civilized society. Why are they letting them in the streets? So what did she say? She she agreed with me. By the way, she moved into Manhattan since you haven't heard it. And I'll send it to you later. I'll send you the link. Is she going to propose any legislation? I'll send you the link. Okay. Well, but, uh, look, I don't think I don't think Governor Hogel's a bad person. She's a decent person, uh, like, but uh, I think they got her out outmaneuvered in the state senate and in the state assembly. I think she puts her own career above the uh, welfare of the citizens. She should put her, many, I told you, know her she, she should put her foot down. Well, she can put her foot down anywhere she wants, but you know, look, she made a statement about a, a true statement about Israel, and then walked it back because the uh, crazy progressives came out and started yelling at her. Basically apologized. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we need need some courage. Yeah. I think WABC provides that commentary. But again, you know, you're up against uh, a lot of corruption. You know, when I, uh, I'm just finishing up confronting the presidents, and it was interesting to see uh, there was a story about Trump being the worst president of all time. Oh yeah! By the you way, know, did you I, see? Did you see Reagan was behind Biden on that poll? Because it's mostly. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it, and when you read my book, 
um, you'll see that we don't do any of that political stuff as far as our evaluation is concerned. We evaluate on what happened during their terms. And so anybody that says Donald Trump is the worst president of all time, again, isn't being honest. They just hate him. And, and I'm sitting there going, look, yeah, I'll debate you anywhere, anytime about uh, any president you want. I know who was bad and who wasn't bad. Yeah, did you um, see, and he was behind Woodrow Wilson. Did you see that? Like, Biden was like uh, the beacon of hope on, in that poll. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, when you'll see what we do. We back up every word. We say all of our judgments about whether they helped or hurt the country are backed up um, by actual things that happen. So, but Bill, are we fighting a losing things, battle, Bill? Are we fighting a losing battle? I don't know. I, I don't know, Congressman. You know, uh, history goes in cycles. And our, our history, ever since the Revolutionary War, has been up and down, up and down. Civil War was horrible. Yeah, Bill, Absolutely this, horrible. Bill this is really Washington. Um, the governor never removed Bragg from office. Uh, I felt that the releasing of those uh, five or six or seven to beat the cops was a tipping point. Uh, up until then, fair people might say, let Bragg find his sea legs. But when you allow people to beat on cops, and you just released them, that told me right then and there she'll never remove them, period. Uh, I, I tend to agree with that, but I think that at this point, she is not a person who is courageous enough to reform what has to be reformed. And, you know, uh Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, and I'm not a big fan of his. He, I, if he were in office now, I don't think things would be this bad. I think Cuomo would have come to the point where what you just said is enough's enough. We're not doing this. We're not letting people who are in this country beat the hell out of New York City cops. We're not. No, sir, Bill, you know, no matter what Cuomo we might think of Cuomo, he, Andrew and how to get things done. Whether you agree with him or not, he could get things done. So I think he could turn this around if he were in office. If you want because, to. you know, he, he had a sense of tradition and understood because of his father what the state once was. I don't, I don't see that coming from Kathy Hochul. Well, we need a strong think, hand to clean it up. Yeah. Big time. That's Bill O'Reilly, I'll be tuning in at 9 o'clock tonight. What are you talking about? Well, we're going to talk about this uh, basic let the, let the drug gangs run wild. And that is the cause of gun violence in this country, the main cause. Drug gangs. We'll be tuning in. Thank you so Thank much. you, Bill. Wow. What do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God save the king. <laughs> 